Today's episode of Wide Right is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Miami tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Manny, Miami. Asher in Orlando. Gotta tell you, my man. I am over this losing. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of reading these columns and articles saying Miami doesn't have the talent. Last I checked, every single recruiting class was better than just about everybody in the ACC other than maybe Clemson. There's no excuse anymore for this. Manny just finished watching the game, JR, at, from West Palm. Uh, I'm just curious. Will this cause a quarterback controversy? I think the Cozy play great, but what, what I don't get, two weeks, two weeks to prepare, and this is what you show for. These coaches don't have a clue how to reach the kids, these kids. These coaches don't know how to prepare these kids. Hey, this is Rick. My comment is simple. Why was Manny so enthralled with hiring this staff, in particular Danny Nose? Lastly, when do players have to accept responsibility for their preparation day in and day out? Hey Manny, how you doing, buddy? This is Lies in Cutler Ridge. Um, man, a rough, rough outing for the Kings this weekend. Uh, I mean, where where do you start? Um, I guess you start with the start. Another slow start. Another um, last days ago uh, performance. You know, to start the game and it, it and you know it was a a hole they couldn't climb out of. Even though they they, they did great, and eventually tied the game late and you know had a chance to win it at the end. Um, it's it's very disappointing. I guess my biggest gripe. Um, and concern is that they're not improving. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, your Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic, and it's clear that at 2-3, and three, the fan base is not happy right now. The honeymoon with Manny Diaz and his staff is basically over. Nobody was happy with Saturday's 42-35 to 35 loss at home to the, to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Everyone is angry. Everyone is tired of the losing and mediocrity. And I think in a lot of ways, the fan base is at a rather large crossroads right now. Some think athletic director Blake uh, Blake James should be gone because he didn't conduct a coaching search. Some think there's reason to, you know, support Manny Diaz. They think that why waste time doing that? Why give him three years? There's no reason to do that. He's not doing what he needs to do right now. There's not a whole lot of patience being shown uh, this program is four and twelve against Power Five teams since their ten and zero start to the twenty seventeen season, and that's just a damning stat about mediocrity um, and and just failing to do what they should be doing. Um, but we need to make a couple important distinctions here when we talk about this situation, and to help discuss all of these issues, we've brought back former Hurricane Center Kelvin Harris, a three time national champion, to break it all down. 
Here's what I want to start with uh, with you, Kelvin. Why should Miami fans be angry and disappointed today, and who should they be mad at for this two and three start? Well, they should be angry because we lost. Uh, I mean, yeah. nobody, <laughs> nobody likes to lose. Um, who should they blame? Mm-hmm. Life. I mean, look, I think I said this to you and other people before. When your wife comes home and says, Manny, I'm pregnant, you're ecstatic. But then you can't come back a month later and like, yo, where the damn, where, where, where's the hell, where, where's the baby? Why isn't the baby born? It takes time. And could the coaches coach better? Yeah, they'll tell you that. Could the, you know, the players definitely can play better, but I don't know. It's just like sometimes it just, it, it, you know, I have a philosophy. It happens when it's supposed to happen. And it obviously isn't supposed to happen right now. We got to go through some growing pains. I mean, the talent is there, but, you know, it's the lights got to come on with the kids. You know, it's all well, got to match up. Let's start specifically with this game before we kind of expand to the bigger picture and, and talk about issues related to Manny Diaz and Blake James and whether or not this program really cares about winning and if the people you know making the big decisions care about winning as much as the fan base, obviously. I, I, don't, I know they care about winning, but as much as the fan base does. <laughs> um, specifically with this game, some of the bones I have to pick. Virginia Tech was not a very good run defense. And Miami sort of abandoned the running game quickly. And obviously, part of that was because Jaron Williams threw three interceptions and got them in a huge hole early in the game. That said, you're down 28 nothing early second quarter, your opening drive. You drive down to the four-yard line, and you say, hey, Nikosi Perry, throw four consecutive passes. Now, we can all sit here and second-guess the play calling. We can say, Dan Enos, you should have run the ball four times. My bigger issue is... This running game has completely disappeared in the last two weeks. And you look at specifically this game. I mean, DJ Dallas got six carries. Cameron Harris got two carries. Jimmy Murphy got a carry in this game. And Lorenzo Lingard, your five-star running back who's dying to get on the field to do something, still hasn't gotten a carry. So the running game is a huge issue for me. Then you look defensively, and those guys couldn't tackle to save their lives yesterday. I know they were put in bad positions and, you know, Virginia Tech had the ball in Miami territory because of all those turnovers and it was quick points and yada, yada, yada. But if you're a great defense, if you're the kind of defense that the Hurricanes build on their Mandy Diaz, you no longer have those issues, right? You can get a stop in the red zone. You can force them to kick a field goal. You can force a turnover. You can do something big in this game. And yet there was none of that. And yet again, when the game is on the line, these guys drive right down the field and score the touchdown to win the game. I mean, this is the third time this season this defense has either had the lead or been tied and blown it in the fourth quarter. So, again, Kelvin, I ask you, in this game, who do you point the finger at and what are you upset about? First off, I want to say I'm glad that you got your blood pressure down. You needed to get that out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I don't do CPR. So, <laughs> um. A little bit of both, more so on the players and, of course, the coaches. Um, let's start with that, that, that goal line situation. 
Why? I, I think we should have run the ball once. I kind of understand why we didn't. Our offensive line isn't getting any push. And I don't want to go on and say that they're not giving maximum effort because I think they're trying to figure it out. But they're not getting any push. Um, so now as a play caller, if you don't trust your offensive line to get a yard, you got to come up with alternatives. Now, if you notice, um, in the second half, when he threw that, when we scored with Brevin Jordan, he came up with a pretty creative play-action play call. Similar, it's almost similar to what Virginia Tech did to us, except they did it across the field, and we did it in a boot, where, you know, you fake the run, the tight end sells the block, and then he releases. Um, maybe he should have used that. But I think going into that, that that when we got down there, he had no inclination. He really believed that we couldn't get a yard. I think if it was me, and then wait a minute, let's take it a step further. He didn't have enough confidence to go drop back because that's why we did dash because he was basically trying to keep Nikosi from getting backside hit and fumbling the ball because I think they want to score points. So... Um, but yeah, the, the, I, I, I think the play calling could have been better there, but I kind of understand where he was going with it on the defensive end. I'm blaming the players, Manny, they let you guys see the first 15 minutes of practice, right? Yeah. We get to see a lot of stretching. What was the safeties doing all last week? Tackling. So. Are the coaches addressing the tackling? They're, they are. They're going through it. They're doing drills. They're doing everything they have to do as far as telling these guys what they want. So why isn't it happening? Performance. I mean, it's a performance issue. Guys aren't doing their job. Now, hey, I'm not – hey, I hold coaches to a higher step. I, t I hold every coaching staff to Jimmy Johnson's staff that he had here at the University of Miami and the one he had in Dallas. And that's a high standard. That was Hall of Fame staff. Um, now, is Manny perfect? By no means, no. They, they, you know, Blake Baker, this is his first year, you know, calling plays in Power Five. And um, I think, you know, there's been times that, you know, he's he's gotten gotten uh, gotten bested. Uh, I think there's a couple times Mullen got him. But for the most part, he's done a pretty good job. But I got a problem with it effort I saw yesterday on the defensive end um, with the tackling and the communication part that's another problem I went over this with you we were talking on that on that on Dalton King those are all communication issues the tight end is coming across your face you got to let it be known to the other linebackers that he's coming across you got to pass that guy off you got to let it be known it's got to be communication and look they're being told this in practice. And this ain't just what I was telling. Every staff on the defensive side is is screaming communication. But it's just not happening on the field. Is it a leadership issue? Are there guys that are in leadership positions? It is a leadership issue. Yes. Our 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 senior players are not being good enough leaders. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't, I, I, like I told you, I never like to compare what 
I went through when I first came in as a freshman to what these guys are because it was established. You know, Mel and those guys, Mel Bratton, Toba Bang, Benny Blaze, Mike Irvin, those guys, it was a different kind of, different breed. I guess maybe I got to look more towards Santana Moss and those guys. Well, I, and when I looked at it, let's just be honest. You're, you, you've been around this since the Butch era, yep. basically, right, Manny? Does this not? Okay, and then people say, well, he was on probation. Let's go back to Butch first year. You remember what Luke was saying about Butch? Yeah, I remember. So it's, it's eerily similar. But the one thing, no matter how good a job you think Butch did of of of, um, of accumulating talent, watching that second documentary, those guys talk about how the players took control of the situation. You know, you heard the Nate Webster stories and all that. Damian Lewis talking about it. Because the players, at some point, you as a player have to say, I don't like hearing all this noise and all this shit talking from Florida. And every time I come home, uh, Jerry Judy throwing a ring in my face. It got to be, it got to mean something to you. Instead of saying they don't care about that, man. No, they don't. And they don't care anymore. No, because and it's not just the players; it's the society. And you know, all the fans getting upset with Manny because he's trying to draw a red line in the sand. It's because, look, nobody wants to say this, but I don't really care. You know, it's it's a it's the 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 the, the families of these kids in South Florida. They they may be UM fans. But they're concerned about them bags. They're concerned about the living situations. So they're using University of Miami to get a bag. And I'm not mad at them if that, you know, because they're trying to, you know, uh, better their situation. So you as a staff have to know what you're dealing with. Nobody else in the country deals with what a University of Miami coach deals with. Mark dealt with it. Al had it. Al didn't, you know, Al's biggest problem is that he just never respected and accepted the culture. Randy dealt with it. Listen, let me tell you something. When Randy got the job, a specific coach from one of the main schools told him, if you don't show up with a bag, you can't come on my campus. And this is a dude that he was friends with. So, right. you know, there's a lot of challenges to this job. Um, But my biggest problem, and it's always been the biggest problem, is the damn players don't act like they want to be successful. They just want to get by right now. And, you know, it's 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 the iPhone Fortnite era uh, generation. You know, they want to get by, and, you know, I just want to make it to the league. And, yeah, it don't really matter if we win. But it does matter because if you notice – our players get slighted in the draft. They go a lot lower. They get cut a lot quicker because when you get drafted lower, you get cut quicker. So at some point, there's going to be a class of player that decides, I don't want to lose anymore. And when that happens, it don't really matter who the coach is. We're going to win. Well, here's the thing, and we've talked about players and their attitudes and everything. I stood there yesterday when these guys were walking off the field, and the only guy who had his head down who looked truly pissed off about losing that game was DJ Dallas. That was the only guy that I sat there and said, holy, holy shit, this guy is pissed. And everybody else was like, okay, hey, you know, we're walking off the field. We lost the game. Hey, good game, yo. Uh, what's up? Good to see you again. 
by the way, I'll be in the NFL in a couple of years, and I don't care that we lost this game. Yeah, yeah, and it's that generation, man. You know, I, I like you hear the old NBA players talk about the rivalries, and you know, <laughs> and now you see guys is uh, it's a, it's it's a kumbaya fest after every NBA game. Uh, it's a tough, you know. You, I, I kind of put you in our generation, Manny. You know, I'm a little older than you, but it was a little different. It meant something to be a winner. But now, it, I don't know if it really does. Right. And honestly, let's not get it twisted. There's going to be a point where it's going to hit Nick Saban in the head too. I mean, he's getting it right now, but he's got enough guys who actually care about winning that he's holding it off. But it's coming. It's going to come to Ohio State too. It's just it's a cyclical thing. and it, it, You see how it hit Florida State, and they hit rock bottom. And, you know, Willie's got to fight through it. You know, we got to fight. Manny, and, and you know, Manny reaches out for help. I, I give him credit. He, he's asked for help from the former players. He wants it to be like it used to be because he's as big a fan of this program as we are because he grew up under it. But Manny can't put no pads on. I can't put no pads on. You can't put no pads on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yesterday – Nervon Thompson gets Peter rolled by a 230-pound linebacker. That can't happen. That can't. Mike Pinkney can't miss a tackle on the goal line. That can't happen. But it's happening, and it's happening over and over again. All right, let's move the subject forward here because there's a bigger subject to all of this. And my question, and I had a long conversation with another sports writer who's been on this podcast before who I have a lot of respect for. We both covered the team since the early 2000s together. Um, we talked about is does anybody in this administration at the University of Miami really care <laughs> that this program is two and three and been stuck in 16 years of mediocrity? And I'm going to let you <clears throat> share your point, Kelvin, in a second, but let me just get this off my chest. Ever since this program moved to the ACC and the paychecks have been a lot bigger, my sense from talking to people around the program is, hey, it would be nice to get back to winning championships around here. We'd love to play in the ACC championship game, but the passion that the fan base has, the passion that the former players have, where they demand it, where they bleed it, where they want it and they sweat it and they want to eat it every Saturday where they're champions, it's not there from that side of the people in charge, at least not from everybody who's in charge. And so I think it speaks to a bigger issue here and I think, you know, getting that big paycheck from the ACC and, and seeing all these buildings come up and pop up and all these new nice facilities, they're okay with that. Hey, that's great. Win or lose, we got nice facilities now. Win or lose, we got money. We got people handing over, you know, money to support this program because, hey, we're the U. We won five national championships. We should be excited. We got such a great history. Well, guess what? This history, 16 years, the last 16 years, have been awful. And that NFL pipeline that you, you know, keep saying, oh, we got all these great NFL players. You got 14 starters right now in the NFL. Ask me how many of them are really pro bowlers. That whole thing is coming to an end soon. And the University of Miami, as you know it, the great program who won championships and put players in the NFL, that is dying by the day. And what you're seeing right now is what you see on the field. You see a product that is two and three. You see a product that is mired in mediocrity. And I don't know that there's anybody in charge who's going to say, we got to put money towards fixing this thing, real money. We got to hire a real staff. We got to pay big time uh, coordinators. And we got to figure out what the hell we're going to do to get players in South Florida to stop leaving. Manny, 
I am so glad that your blood pressure is low because I say it again, I don't do CPR. And I'm <laughs> I mean, I just felt the I just felt the wind come out. I feel better for you. But look, I'm gonna tell you a dirty little secret. Our administration's never given a fuck about us being champions. I'm gonna go back to when I was there. Ted Foot wanted to get rid of the football program. His big plan was to make the basketball program the money winner. Cause he was, you know, I think even I think they covered it in the first in the the, 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 U, the first U documentary. I don't know if they said it, but his thing was he wanted to make us the Harvard of the South. That was used to hear that all the time. We're gonna be the Harvard of the South. Now we're a good school. You know what I'm saying? We ain't even Duke of the South. You know, I mean, we're a good school. Let's not get it twisted. But Duke, you know, will always be that, you know, gold standard in the South. So Jimmy was just such a bad dude that he he fought it off. And then Erickson came in and kept it going. And then when we got caught on probation, that might have been, you know, it was rocky. But then Butch came in and kept it going some more. And so you got to think about something. From like 83 through 1994, we went to New Year's Day Bowls 12 straight years. So you're talking about multi-million dollar paydays for the school every year. And, you know, like I told you, I asked you, uh, off air. You've been covering the team since 99. The difference in the campus now as compared to 99 is like one of those uh, body uh, do-overs where you see the 300-pound the <laughs> woman and then like, you know, the, the, the next one she's 120 pounds and, you know what I'm saying, she's smoking hot. And it, it's incredible. But we are the equivalent of um, the special needs child that the parent gets government money from and they're just living the life because they're getting a big check. But then wait a minute. Um, the, the, the kid becomes, uh, of adult age and it turns out maybe he isn't special needs and the check stops and the parent doesn't know what to do because they've never worked before. And that's kind of like where we're going because to your point, we are headed at, you know, it can't keep up. We, 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 we have to get the perfect storm where we got to get the right coaching and the, the right group of players who care. Or you're right, the cash cow is going to run out. And even when it does run out, I don't think the administration will care. No, because they got those guaranteed dollars from the ACC no matter what. I mean, that money is split evenly. I mean, Miami it was made like $31 million a couple years ago off of being in the conference. Well, there is one caveat, Manny, that could change all of this that well probably will change college football powerhouses the pay for play situation now nobody wants to talk about this but hey who cares look gene smith from ohio state he has some gall to come out and talk about how uh you know it it, it, it it's unfair it's 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 it's, it's, it's it's, it's, it's a travesty what California did when Ohio State is paying players left and fucking right. You got some damn gall. 
What's going to happen when this thing passes, and it's going to pass, kids will start staying home. Because guess what, Tulus Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I ain't got to go. Me and my family ain't got to go and live in a country hillbilly place with nothing to do where I can stay in South Florida and have Williamson Cadillac or Auto Nation pay me five, ten stacks to just sign some autographs. You know what I'm saying? That's what's going to happen. That'll probably save Miami, UCLA, UC, USC, Georgia Tech. Because Alabama can't compete with Miami and, and California and Los Angeles when it comes to endorsements and likeness of images. And that's what Ohio State and that's what Alabama and the SEC know. And they're going to fight it tooth and nail. But like uh, the guy... Uh, that was doing the Washington game last night, the uh, commentator Rod Gilmore said, this is a legal issue, and it's been in the courts for years, and it's coming. And that will probably save the program from the greedy administration that our school has become because that will probably keep the cash cow going. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens because, look, there's a lot of issues that need to be resolved, and I know the NCAA is not going to go down without a fight. They're going to try to regulate this, and I think the government, the U.S. government, the feds, and everybody in charge want somebody to be in charge of it so that it doesn't get out of control. So we'll see how that goes. But let's get back to the field for a second because there are some issues heading into this Virginia game I want to get your thoughts on. Number one, before we get to the kicker, the quarterback situation. Nikosi Perry comes in off the bench, throws for over 400 yards, four touchdowns. And what I saw on the field Saturday was an offense that looked alive after they were down 28 nothing. I mean, and I mean that because Jeff Thomas all of a sudden became a big part of the offense because Brevin Jordan was catching passes all over the field. And I kept saying to myself, wait a minute. Is this the guy who should be the quarterback for the Hurricanes? I mean, should Nikosi Perry finally get a chance to be the quarterback again? Look, I love Jaron Williams. I love what he did through his first four games, and he certainly did enough to be 4-0. I mean, they scored enough points. They had leads in the fourth quarter to be 4-0. But is Nikosi Perry ultimately the better guy for this job now that he's maybe more mature and he's learned his lesson? He's definitely the more talented arm-wise. Um. Jaron was more consistent, I think, in training camp. But, you know, me and you talked about this during training camp. I felt like if they picked Jaron Williams, they were basically going in it for the long haul in that I knew he couldn't stretch the field like Nicosi. Nicosi's, um, they, they kind of have opposite strengths. Nicosi is a great down-the-field thrower. He's got great arm talent. I think the thing that he needed was he needed to be a little bit more accurate in the intermediate throws not just accurate but with touch and i think coaching with enos has helped him with that but the biggest thing with him was off the field and i gotta be honest with you i'm surprised he has been a model citizen i mean i guess you know we're talking 18 to 21 year olds they mature at a different level and i think if they start him this week and we win it may be tough to go back to Jaron because you're right. Uh, Jeff Thomas got out of the witness protection program this week. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that kid's been open all year long, and we haven't gotten him the ball. And Nikosi does give us – he made a throw where he ran – he scrambled to his right, 
and he was running towards the out of bounds area and he tosses it on a dime down the field and gets to like a 20 yard first down. Jaron has the ability. I just don't think he has the confidence. Because if you go back to that first, that second interception in the end zone, if he throws that over the other shoulder, it's a touchdown. But Nicosi, right. I mean, I just think, oh, wait a minute. That pass he threw to Brevin Knight on the sideline, these are dimes. Brevin Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> did I say Brevin Knight? You did. It's okay. It happens. I, I, I was thinking about what Mark uh, Jones said yesterday. I, I'm going to do 10 push-ups right now. But look, <laughs> I agree with you, Manny, but it's, it's, a, it's a delicate situation because in theory you say, well, okay, the kid had one bad game. He'd been playing good. He had no interceptions. But we work. We are working too hard right now to score touchdowns. We don't have a lot of ex- – I can't remember the last time we didn't have, you know, one-play drives, two-play drives. Have we had any this year? No, there haven't been that many explosive plays at all. And here's something I want to add to the conversation about the quarterback. Bud Foster yesterday was asked about those early picks that they had on Jaron Williams. And essentially what he said was, we saw the film, we saw opportunities to get interceptions, and I basically cut the guys loose. We played more man-free coverage than we had all season because we knew we could get our hands on those passes Jaron Williams was throwing. And I don't know if that's more of, hey, we know that the plays that they're running and and it's not very complicated, or B, this kid just doesn't have the arm to get it there with enough zip where we really fear him. And I think the bigger issue is, I think most opposing defensive coordinators look at this Miami offense and say, hey, all we got to do is bring some pressure and hit the quarterback and they're going to fold and they're not going to score a lot of points. What Nikosi Perry does is he stretches the field. And Bud Foster basically said as much. He said, hey, we were worried about that guy when he ran the football. They weren't worried when Jaron Williams ran because they know that's just not in him. Nicosi, on the other hand, they felt more threatened by it. And they felt more threatened by his ability to get the ball down the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, look, me and you talked all um, during training camp. You know I wanted Nicosi to be the quarterback. But I understood. I thought we could win with either quarterback. But Nicosi has the arm talent. He's got first-round arm talent. It wasn't about his, you know, and, and yeah, he was cons- a little inconsistent last year because he wasn't doing the things off the field in the, you know, in film study that he needed to do for whatever reason, whether, you know, you can blame John Rigg, you can blame Mark Rigg, whatever reason, it wasn't getting done. But I think losing his job has made him uh, regroup and he's become a better player and I guess a better person as well I I hate to say this because I really like Jaron Williams as a person but yeah I think Nikosi Perry takes us to another level because if I'm a defensive coordinator watching our games I play press coverage and I blitz a lot of corner blitzes maybe a combo corner a gap blitz forcing him to get rid of the ball because I know he's not going to throw it over my head and I'll just make them go 80 yards every time they get the ball with Nikosi, If he gets a little bit of protection, he's tossing that thing deep. And now you got to change. Now you got to go too high safety. And honestly, that makes the running game better too. 
Because when you got two right. high safeties, you got seven in the box. That gives you, you know, with the motion and the shifts, that gives you some angles, and that makes the blocking angles better. They're playing man-free, single high safety. They're putting eight in the box, and they daring us to take it over their head, and we can't get it done. Nope. You need you need Nikosi Perry to be your quarterback if you're going to win with this team, especially because of the offensive line situation, because teams are stacking that box. They're trying to stop DJ Dallas and Cameron Harris, and the play action just isn't working. I mean, you're getting some results here and there where the tight end's getting free, and you know, you're know you able to dump the ball off, and, and the guy catches the ball and runs for a first down, but Jeff, you need Jeff Thomas in this offense to be able to scare opponents, and right now, I don't think they're scaring opponents the way that they should and the way that they can. So, all right, let's turn the subject. We got about two or three minutes left here before we got to cut it because we know we we got a time limit on these things. <laughs> Bubba Baxa kicks the ball off the upright yesterday. I know everybody wants a new kicker. It just feels like there's not another kicker on this team who could take his job. Those guys obviously practice during the week. They see what they see, and there's a reason Bubba Baxa still out there. Oh, I agree. And uh, the what's that kid's name? Boreal, Bo, the the kicker that's coming in twenty twenty one. Boreal, Borgales, yeah. Can we get him uh, reclassified? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jesus. I mean, is there a JUCO kicker out there we can get? I mean, his confidence is shot. And you know what's crazy, Manny? Dusty Dvorak. The, the, the color analyst that was with Mark Jones and even Mark Jones was like, wait a minute, they're going for two? It looks like Manny got a call from a voyeur or something and said, hey, hey, don't kick that field goal. Go for two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how ironic was that? Because everybody was like, yo, this don't make sense. And then they bust the play and DJ Dallas gets it in and then we score and we're like, oh man, we're going to be up by one. And then what happens? Um, I think that you got to maybe give Camden Price an opportunity to kick any field goal 35 yards and in um, to maybe light a fire on the bubble back. So just let him kick off. And anything that's 45 yards and out, let him kick. But anything, say, 40 to 42 yards in, maybe you give Camden Price an opportunity. Um, because... You ain't got nothing to lose. This guy's already basically lost two games for us. Yep. And and it's just an ugly situation, man. The same problems over and over and again. Penalties, missed kicks, uh just offensive line issues to up to twenty five sacks now, man. It just it just feels like the same problems over and over and over again. Well well let me ask you a question, Manny. Let's go back to nineteen nineties. What was the five and six year? Ninety seven, I think. Ninety seven. Because 96, 95, 96, they were still decent. But there was a lot. Remember that UCLA game in 95? Mm-hmm. People were calling. They went on the road and lost. I mean, some of the same problems. I mean, it took Butch, what? He got the job in 95. What was it? Were they 9-3 and three in 99? Yep. So 95, 96, 97, 98. You're talking five years, six years with the 2000 team, because that should have been a national championship. I mean, the question now is, are we going to give him, you know, we, we're probably going to give Manny three years. We don't have a senior on the on the two deep on the O-line. We only really have one senior um, on the offense. 
we're probably only going to lose DJ Dallas and Jeff Thomas. So we're going to have 19 or 22 coming back next year. Um, Bandy's played his way back into coming back. We're going to lose the linebackers. Uh, Garvin will probably end up coming back. Will we be talking about this next year, do you think? I hope not, man, because I can't do any more of these angry podcasts. Man, let me tell you something. <laughs> Your wife is so happy right now because she probably had a go bag ready to go to drive you to the hospital for <laughs> for, for blowing the gasket, <laughs> a, a slight stroke, maybe a mild heart attack. But now you're good. That's you're all good. out of my system. Yeah, this game's going to be big. It is big. They got to win on Friday or the season's over, in my opinion. I mean, they still got a chance mathematically right now. They're playing from behind, but they got to win Friday or, or the dream's over. And I think, you know, the recruiting class falls apart and there's all kinds of issues going forward. I don't think the recruiting class falls apart. The four main players okay. are stuck to this team. All right. We'll see. All right, man. We got to go. Thanks for doing this with me. And uh, we're going to be back Thursday. My producer, Mike Zimmerman, thank you for doing a great job. Thanks to the callers who came in and voiced their opinions. The Wide Ride Podcast is out. We will see you on Thursday. Manny, Raul from Hialeah, my friend. Oh, eh, sorry, I call you later. I just woke it up. After the game yesterday, I saw tan, tan cabrano que I had to uh, get a couple of drinks after. And some blanquitos, some white people gave me something called white claw. And I thought it was uña de gato to make me feel better, go to sleep good, you know, uña de gato. But no, it wasn't uña de gato, man. And uh, more, more, more like carnip. Y estaba corriendo por todas las calles, gritando, Manny! Why, Manny Diaz? Why? Oye, ya no puedo más, Manny. You, do, you don't know what it is. We come off a bye week. Down 20 and nothing to start the game. We got to put Jaren Jared Willis out of the game because he's throwing interception. We have to put in Cicota Perry. Cicota Perry, Manny. He almost came up smelling like roses, but we still lost the game, Manny. Yeah, Bobo backside to try. Are you? Are we sure he no kick with his left foot better? Because his right foot no working so good. His right foot no working so good, Manny. We lost to Virginia Tech, Manny. The Virginia Tech Hokies, okay? They are Guanajos, Manny. They are Turkeys. We lost to Turkeys, Guanajos. It is impossible, Manny. Not only that, but we wasted a Hail Mary that the Pope cut, Manny. The Pope cut the Hail Mary. El Papa cogió la Ave Maria, and we lost the game, Manny. ¿Cómo es posible esto? Ay! Blake Baker is a faker. Blake Baker is a faker. Fire him. Fire Dan. Y los no sabe nada. He walked in with a fake Guayabera. It looked like Guayabera was Hawaiian shot in the hurricane walk. He don't speak Spanish. I read in an article somewhere this week. He can go. Oh, I can go, Manny. He eating too much meatloaf, too much uh, baked potato with butter. And people like, don't like nothing but a little bit of sauce as a seasoning. Okay? No le gusta sofrito. No le gusta las cosas con salsa. He gotta go. Okay? He doesn't even know who Celia Cruz is, Manny. He's got to go. I'm done with this team. Hire somebody real. A real coach. Who? I don't know. But we gotta hire somebody better, Manny. Ya no puedo más. Por favor, ayúdame, Manny. Ain't nobody messing with this.